Just imagine, the mightiest heroes of our time. All of them, on one team. The Fire and Water Network proudly presents... JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the hot one, Cindy Franklin. <laughs> and I'm the cold one, Chris Franklin. And we're back with Season 2, Episode 2, featuring a spotlight on Jack Kirby's Fourth World Creations and... Finally, the return of The Flash to active duty. We didn't hear Michael Rosenbaum at all in Season 1, so it's great to have him back. He'll prove very important in this season. But before that, let's check in on the history of our guest heroes, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Watchtower Files. Mr. Miracle debuted in his self-titled comic book series with issue number 1, March-April 1971, one of four titles in what vaguely became known as the Fourth World Saga. Marvel's primary artistic force, Jack Kirby, had jumped ship to D.C. after feeling his former employer didn't compensate him properly or give him enough creative control based on his years of service and the number of popular creations he had provided them. And he's right. (laughs) Using many of the designs he had been working on for the past several years in his spare time, as writer, artist, and editor, Kirby launched Mr. Miracle, The New Gods, and The Forever People and took over one of D.C.'s lowest-selling titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. This gave Kirby access to DC's Man of Steel, which helped bolster the burgeoning new series. Kirby based Mr. Miracle, super escape artist, on his friend and fellow Marvel artist writer Jim Steranko, most famous in comics for his legendary run on Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a character co-created by Kirby and Stan Lee. Mr. Miracle was Scott Free, son of High Father Isaiah, leader of the world of New Genesis. After years of war with rival planet Apocalypse, and its despotic ruler Darkseid, the two conceived of a pact to end the war. An exchange would be made, with each ruler giving their young sons over to the other to raise. This would prevent any further hostilities. Highfather took in the near-bestial Orion and helped him to calm his aggressive natures, but Scott was given over to Darkseid's minion, Granny Goodness, who put him in her torturous orphanage, designed to break the will of all of her charges, and turn them into mindless drones, only concerned with pleasing Granny. <laughs> Scott refused to submit to Granny's torture and mind games, and with the help of New Genesis sympathizer Hyman, and the enigmatic Metron, and Granny's lead female fury, Big Barda, Scott eventually escaped to Earth via a boom tube. There he met famed escape artist Thaddeus Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Miracle, and his assistant Oberon. Brown and Oberon took Scott in, training him until Intergang, an advanced criminal organization with ties to Darkseid, had Brown murdered. Scott assumed the mantle of Mr. Miracle and brought Brown's killers to justice. Scott then embarked on a career as a super escape artist using his own skills and new genesis and apocalypse tech like his mother box to dazzle audiences. He and Oberon were eventually joined by Barda in issue number four, September-October of 71, who had also fled Apocalypse and joined Scott's side. They fought Earth Crime and the forces of Darkseid, who were constantly trying to recapture both of them. Barter's appearance was based on buxom actress and singer Lainey Kazan, probably best known to modern audiences as the mother in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Barter's personality and her relationship with Scott was often said to be based on Kirby's wife, Roz. The found family was later joined by the other female Furies, who also defected, and Shiloh Norman, a young boy Scott took in as his protege, training to one day be Mr. Miracle. Scott eventually won his freedom via trial by combat on Apocalypse, and he and Barda were married in the title's final issue. 
New Gods and Forever People both were canceled with their 11th issues, October-November of 72. The Mr. Miracle title was more successful than the other Fourth World series, lasting through its 18th issue, February-March of 74. Kirby moved on to other series, such as Commandy and the Demon, but he began to feel that his deal with DC wasn't really much better than his treatment at Marvel, despite promises from his old friend and DC publisher, Carmine Infantino. In his early years, Mr. Miracle made only a few appearances outside of the Fourth World titles, appearing twice with Batman in The Brave and the Bold number 112, April-May 1974, and 128, July 1976. The New Gods series was revived, first in DC's tryout book, First Issue Special, number 13, April of 76, featuring Mr. Miracle. When the New Gods title resumed with issue 12, July of 77, Mr. Miracle wasn't present, but he, Barda, and Oberon got their own book back with number 19, September of 77. Despite featuring the work of hot creators like Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers, Terry Austin, Steve Gerber, and Michael Golden, the original title died for good with issue number 25, August-September of 78, a victim of the infamous DC implosion. After teaming with Superman and DC Comics Presents number 12, August 1979, Scott, Barda, and Oberon first encountered the Justice League in Justice League of America number 183 through 185, October-December 1980, and that was a JLA-JSA New Gods crossover that I famously, infamously, to me, had part one of, didn't get part two till about 10 years later at a comic shop, and didn't get part three until about another 10 or 20 years later. <laughs> so I don't think I read part three until those Crisis on Multiple Earths the trade paperbacks got to it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I had to wait like almost 30 years to, to read that entire story. <laughs> and that's the that's the story where Dick Dillon drew the first chapter and then passed away. Oh, And okay. then George Perez took over two through three. Yeah. After being mostly absent from any comic appearances for most of the decade, Mr. Miracle joined Kenner's Superpowers collection of action figures in the final series in 1986, and Scott was featured in that year's tie-in comic miniseries, September-December of 86. His hot streak continued, first with a one-shot special in early 1987, written by one-time Kirby assistant Mark Evanier and drawn by Steve Rude, which that is a great comic if nobody's ever read that one. That's awesome. Scott and O'Brien hit the big time, joining the newly reformed super team in Justice League No. 1, May of 87, by Keith Giffen, J.M. DeMatteis, Kevin McGuire, and Terry Austin. The popularity of the series allowed Scott, Barta, and Oberon to receive their own title once again, and Mr. Miracle Volume 2 launched with a January 1989 cover date, courtesy of J.M. DeMatteis and artist Ian Gibson. The title lasted through No. 28, June 1991, with Doug Minch and Joe Phillips wrapping up the series. You can, of course, hear more about this era of Mr. Miracle on Shag's Justice League International Bwahaha podcast right here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The other Justice League show on the network. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miracle received a third volume later in 1996, but that series only lasted seven issues. He was folded into the Jack Kirby's Fourth World series that launched in 97 under writer-artist John Byrne. Writer Grant Morrison cast Scott's protege, Shiloh Norman, as Mr. Miracle in his 2005 Seven Soldiers of Victory publishing event. 
Mr. Miracle's publishing history has been all over the map since this JLU episode. He and the other new gods being killed, revived, rebooted so many times. We can't keep up and don't want to. Tom King wrote an acclaimed 12-issue miniseries beginning in 2017 featuring Scott with art by Mitch Gerards. Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom was a 21-22 six-issue series featuring Shiloh Norman by Brandon Easton and Fico Asio. Mr. Miracle made a cameo appearance in the Superman the Animated Series episode Apocalypse Now, both parts 1 and 2, and the Justice League episode Twilight, part 2, although he had no speaking lines. Following this episode, he appeared in episodes of Batman the Brave and the Bold, Justice League Action, and the Harley Quinn animated series. Okay, so let's jump into this particular episode. The Ties That Bind originally aired February 12th, 2005. The story was by Steranko, mm-hmm. Jim Steranko himself. Teleplayed by J.M.D. Mateus, directed by Dan Ribba, music by Lolita Ritmanis. And in the cast, we had Carl Lumley as John Jones. Michael Rosenbaum, as we said, returns as The Flash. Ian Grufford as Mr. Miracle. Farrah Fork as Big Barda. Ed Asner as Granny Goodness. Artie Johnson as Vermin Vunderbar. Michael Dorn as Calabac. Dick Miller as Oberon. Jeremy Pivot as Elongated Man. And Zachary Shada as Young Scott Free. Scott Free, a.k.a. Mr. Miracle, practices for an upcoming stunt with the help of his wife, Big Barda, and assistant Oberon. Scott survives being bound and chained and having a train dropped on him. But in the melee, Oberon disappears. Up walks Scott and Barda's old teacher, Granny Goodness. She has Oberon, and if the couple want to see their friend again, they'll have to do Granny a favor. With Darkseid gone, the planet Apocalypse is up for grabs, and both Granny and Vermin Vunderbar plan to stake that claim. I just like saying Vunderbar. Vermin Vunderbar! Both want to use Darkseid's son Calabac as a bargaining chip to legitimize their power, but Vunderbar has taken the brute prisoner. If Scott will free Calabac, Granny will release Oberon. Mr. Miracle and Bar- Big Barda visit the JLU Watchtower and catch the attention of Elongated Man and the Flash, who are busy playing the brawling bots game. Think Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Mm-hmm. Scott and Barda hope to ask their ally Superman for his help, but Jean tells them that the Man of Steel is on a mission in space, and the League has no desire to put any of Darkseid's minions in power. The Civil War must continue, even at the cost of Oberon's life. A furious Barda and Mr. Miracle walk out, but the Flash tries to reason with Jean to help them. Jean reiterates the League's stance, making Flash feel like a child in the process. Flash offers Scott and Barda his help anyway, and eventually they accept. They boom tube onto Apocalypse, but once they make it inside the X-Pit, Scott finds it totally redesigned. He initially refuses help from Barda and Flash, but she reminds him she signed up when she married him. Scott flashes back to his many attempts to escape the pit, with Granny capturing and demoralizing him each time. In the present, Granny torments Oberon, who is shackled to a table with a series of rotating knives growing ever closer to his body. As Mr. Miracle and Barda fight Vondabar's troops, Flash searches and finds Calabac and frees him. The son of Darkseid is not pleased to be rescued by his enemies, especially his traitorous stepbrother. But even he can reason that they are his best way out. After making it through many traps and gauntlets, Vondabar, I'm sorry, I can't help it, I can't help it say it this way, <laughs> Vondabar throws at them. The heroes and Calabac reach the exit only to have Vondabar activate the building's self-destruct and escape. Later, Granny Goodness is overseeing the damage when a boom tube opens and Scott, Barda, Calabac, and the Flash emerge. Granny is delighted, but when they ask about Oberon, she tells them he was rude to her and he had to pay the price. Calabac then changes to the form of Jean Jones, who uses his Martian telepathy to find Oberon's whereabouts. 
He guides Flash there, and the Scarlet Speedster rescues him just in time. Oberon is reunited with his family in the Heroes Depart Apocalypse, but not before Barda gets to deck Granny. She's my kind of female. There you go. <laughs> Back on the Watchtower, Flash is prepared for Jean to give him a talking to for disobeying orders, but Flash reminds Jean how everything worked out. Oberon was safe. Calabac was now in custody on Earth, where no one on Apocalypse can use him, and the Civil War continues. Jean says that he just wanted to ask Wally if he wanted to play brawling bots. <laughs> Flash. Yeah, I know, I know. I went behind your back. But look how everything turned out. We boomed back here for you, the switch went off perfectly, and now we've got Calabac locked up on Earth where neither side can use him. You don't? So yeah, I did go behind your back, but you know what? I'd do it again. What do you say to that big guy? I was only going to ask if you wanted to play Brawlin' Bots. Dibs on the green one. I wanted the green one. So this Mr. Miracle-centric episode was conceived by the guy who Jack Kirby based the character of Scott Free on, Jim Stranko, as we said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I have to tell the story that, you know, when we were at Heroes Con, Andrew and I got on the elevator with Jim Stranko, just us two and him. And he, he was like, he was very nice. Like, you enjoying the con? I'm like, oh, yes, sir, Mr. Stranko, you know, and, and, and I told Andrew when he walked off, I said, well, if we got stuck in the elevator, he could have got us out. And he's like, why? And I said, that's who Jack Kirby based Mr. Miracle on. And he's like, no way. <laughs> just like, he was just like floored. It was like, yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> and the teleplay was written by J.M.D. Mateus, who is, of course, no stranger to this series, as we said. He also wrote Scott, Barta, and Oberon in the Justice League International series and their own spinoff title that he began. Mm-hmm. So this, this episode's in great hands. And, of course... Bruce Tim is a huge Jack Kirby fan. So, and so is James Tucker. So, everybody's like, yay, Jack Kirby in this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this opening sequence is straight out of a Kirby Mr. Miracle comic. Scott's escape proof apparatus is based directly on one he used in Mr. Miracle number five, which also introduced. Vermin Vandevar. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd let you say that. Thank you. So now you, I, I refer to Mister Miracle as Scott throughout this because Barter keeps calling him Scott, whether he's got his costume on or not. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so it, and it's easier to say Scott than Mister Miracle and type it every time. But we do see Scott unmasked at the beginning, right? And he's got he's very Jack Kirby. He's got the Jack Kirby eyebrows and mm-hmm. the big blue eyes. Which you you said something about his it eyes. Just, I don't. I don't know. I know it's a choice, but it just, I don't know. They look funny. When he had his mask on? Yeah. Yeah. The Mr. Miracle costume I always thought was really cool, but it's one of those, he pulls that mask on. It's it's where they got, you know, it's like Batman Beyond's mask. How does that work? Right. Like, how does it go over his lips, you know? Right. I mean, it just, it it doesn't make, it kind of make, I guess it kind of makes sense because he could say it's a mother box thing or something. I don't know, but yeah. So Barda and Oberon Chain Scott put him in this Iron Maiden kind of thing, which again is from that comic minus the spikes Oberon encases him in liquid nitrogen and then they wait for the train to come and this is the practice you're right (laughs) so Oberon is hoping the train will be a bit late but Scott has arranged to have the locomotive dropped on him now one thing I did notice this time is we hear the train the whistle uh, uh, but how is the train whistle going off when there's nobody in the train because the helicopter it's like a big like tomahawk like black or black hawk type tel- helicopter just drops, drops the it. train on top of him. Yeah, how how does that? <laughs> how does that? It was in the script. Yeah, uh, <laughs> of course Scott escaped, but Barda is both elated and pissed at him 
So, uh, the usual. So, the usual, know. yeah, yeah. It's like, you stupid man, yeah. Barda is voiced once again by Farrah Fork, who portrayed her in Batman Beyond the Call. She is best known for Wings and appearing on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and we sadly lost her last year. Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, is voiced by a guy who is more famous for playing another superhero. It's Ian Grufford who played Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic, in the two Fantastic Four films helmed by Tim Story, Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. He later was the lead in the two series Forever and Harrow. Mm -hmm. uh, Fantastic Four was released on July 8, 2005, so he appeared as Mr. Miracle first. He must like the title Mr., it's just too bad that none of those other Fantastic Four actors ever went on to play any other superheroes, and we never heard of them ever again. Not a single one. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he can do that all day. Uh, Gruffer also voiced villain Tio Morrow in the Justice League animated film Justice League War. So, uh, Oberon is voiced by legendary character actor Dick Miller. He's probably best known for memorable parts in The Terminator and Gremlins, but was in everything. He did a ton of films for Roger Corman, including A Bucket of Blood, The Undead, and X, The Man with X-Ray Eyes with Ray Milan. He also played recurring Stu Lee Fosnight on the 90s Flash TV series with John Wesley Shipp. Mm. And he, uh, again, he passed away fairly recently in 2019. So I wonder if when he was, you know, read this script, he's like, oh, I remember The Flash. I was on that show. You yeah. know, <laughs> you know? I was like, probably so. <laughs> So Oberon is missing, and who should walk up and take credit for the abduction but Granny Goodness, once again brilliantly voiced and brilliantly cast by Andrew Romano, but voiced by Ed Asner. <laughs> also Santa Claus. Right. So, yeah, we don't have to introduce Ed Asner, really, because he was on a Mary Tyler Moore show. He played Lou Grant there. He played Lou Grant in the spinoff series titled Lou Grant. He's Carl from Up. Yeah. He's Santa Claus from Elf. You know, we lost him in 2021. So, man, this is, the last few years have been rough on the cast of this episode. I know, because we were supposed to, um, we had actually bought tickets to go to the Lexington Comic Con to see him. Mm. And then he passed away and we just canceled the tickets. Mm. That's right. Because yeah. that was the reason we were going. Yeah, that's right. Um, I like how Barda immediately wants to pace Granny, but Scott calms her down. Uh, they both have quite a history with her, as mm -hmm. we, we covered in the Watchtower Files. And the idea of a power vacuum on Apocalypse and a civil war without Darkseid there is a very intriguing one. Of course, Darkseid is dead. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Because of the events of Twilight. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, he, you know, him and Superman have their epic slobber knocker and the Brainiac ship thing they're on, the asteroid explodes yeah. and you know Darcy says loser and then it you know yeah. blows up uh, which we covered with uh, Rich Vogel who who wrote that episode yes yeah Granny mentions Calabac is being held on Apocalypse in the X-Pit and Scott reacts in terror and Granny instantly knows it and that's because that's where you know she kept Scott yeah. all those years don't you hate it when people like that can read you that easily I know, because you're like, they, they know that they're getting to you. Yeah, I, I mean, not that I've ever had anybody as bad as Granny Goodness. No, But no. you just, like, when somebody's like, oh, that bothered you, didn't it? You know, it's just like, yeah. Uh, we then see a flashback with young Scott in an energy cube that keeps shrinking as he contorts himself to not get crushed while Granny watches with glee. And, and young Scott has his head shaved. Yeah. And he's, all the kids look like that in, you know, in the, in her orphanage, yeah. 
Scott tells her he's not afraid of the pit, but obviously he's lying. And again, like we said, she knows it. Uh, then we cut to the Watchtower, and finally, after missing a whole season, as we said, we have Michael Rosenbaum return as the Flash. His conversation with Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, can almost seem to be pointing toward this dismissive attitude in mm-hmm. some ways. Uh, Ralph is once again voiced by Jeremy Piven, best known for Entourage and Mr. Selfridge, and playing the D-bag Dean in Old School. <laughs> so, uh, both of them are arguing about not getting any respect. There's some interesting timeline tidbits uh, dropped here. Ralph says he's been at, he's been heroing longer than Flash, but is treated like comic relief. Wally says he gets treated like a kid's sidekick, despite being one of the original seven leaguers. Yeah. So was Wally a kid's sidekick? Was Barry Allen the Flash before him, or maybe Jay Garrick? Did Ralph know this Flash? Because I know that's you know Ralph questions. started out as a supporting character in Barry's Flash series. And in the Justice League Europe run that Shag is now covering on JLI Bwahaha podcast, Ralph is constantly berating Wally for not being his old mm-hmm. friend, Barry. Uncle Barry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, we will see in season three some elements of Flash's history that maybe point to the fact that there were other Flashes. And there is also the smoking gun that is the Teen Titans mm-hmm. appearances of Kid Flash, voiced by Michael Rosenbaum. Right. So, if you want to say in your head that Wally was Kid Flash, that Barry Allen was Flash, and that just there wasn't a Justice League back then for him to be a member of, but then we also, I will telegraph a little bit, we do see a character in that same episode, Flash and Substance, that looks like Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Wally asks Ralph if he thinks he's immature, and Ralph says no. But the gag is, when the camera pans out, they're playing brawling bots, which, again, is rock'em, sock'em robots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another odd bit here, when Fire walks by, Ralph stretches his neck to ogle her. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> so, is there no Sue Dibney in the DCAU? Or not yet, anyway? <laughs> Either that or he's just a lech. <laughs> I don't think Ralph was ever a lech after he met Sue. I never okay. I never got there. That that's one reason why everybody freaking hates what Identity Christ. Even if you like the way it was written, you hate what it did to those characters. Gotcha. So, yeah. Flash sees Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, who he calls Big Bertha. Yeah, you know. It says they are not in the league. And I thought that was odd because Orion is in the league later. Mm-hmm. But they aren't. I mean, you would think Mr. Miracle would be in the league before Orion was, because if Orion's Orion, you know. Right, right. And he's Mr. Warrior and hard to get along with, and, you know, he's dark side son, has got anger management issues, and, and, and you know, that's weird. Now so, that I a red-headed Batman? Basically, yeah. <laughs> True. But it's weird to think that this is, a, this is one of Flash's, like, big team-up episodes, He's with Mr. Miracle and Barda, and then in that Flash and Substance, he's with Orion and Batman. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know what somebody like putting Flash with the new gods, I guess. So I get John John's point, but just to outright refuse to help Scott and Barda, it's very cold and logical. He's becoming more of a Vulcan as we go along in this series. Well, and you'll see that, you know, what happens there. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I don't know if they had that as a plan or they just looked at it and go went, this this will make sense to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he needs to connect yes. with humanity. So, 
Uh, Jean says Superman's on a mission in deep space. He's always on a mission in deep space. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like he's saying the Supergirl movie is on a mission in deep space, and Superman Returns is on a mission in deep space. Scott and Barta know Superman has no problem rocking up on Apocalypse and stirring things up. Because, I mean, he deposed Darkseid in the last episode of Superman the Animated Series. It didn't do much good. Right. But, I mean, he threw his, like, wrecked body down at the people and, like, you're free. And they're like, nah, let's take our, let's take him off and take care of him. You know, which he's just like, well, what the hell? You know? Yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, Barta punches the doorway and knocks a chunk out of it as she leaves after they, Jean turns her down. I thought that was a nice touch. I don't blame Flash for being put out by Jean's treatment of him. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, he did treat him like, there, there. He patted him on the head. Right. He was being a real jerk to him. Oh, yeah. I mean, really dismissive of, of him. And, I, I mean, yeah, Wally, you know, Wally has, you know, Wally's Wally on here. He's he's a little he's a little brash and a little immature, but it's like, you know, he's his heart's always in the right place. So mm-hmm. he, he should listen to him. Flash calls Barta Bertha to her face. Bad mistake. Although I'll admit, I used to think her name was Big Bertha too when I couldn't think of the character's name. Really? Well, after after reading that one comic book with her, the Justice League book, I was thinking like, yeah, there's Mister Miracle and Big Bertha, right? <laughs> and when but, I got you know. when I got my Who's Who book, I'm like, oh, it's Big Barda. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's Who number two? <laughs> Which, by the way, I got the Who's Who omnibus. Yes. The other day, thanks to our friend Paul Keane on the network, the co-host of uh, and producer of. Uh, Batman Family Reunion, he gave us a heads up. Hey, and it, I don't know if it's still on there now, but it was. The the Who's Who Omnibus was 45 bucks on the network sponsor, In Stock Trades. There you go. So it, it might not be now, but all you got to do is do that and add another 5 bucks to it, and you get free shipping, and that book was originally 150 bucks. And that book is massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those omnibuy are insane. I've got. I've got the Fourth World omnibuy. I know. I it's, bought it. I know. It's like wah. Yeah. So, <laughs> why wouldn't anyone want the Flash's help? Why would you say no to the Flash's help? I know. I mean, it's been postulated many times before that maybe even more so than Superman, Flash could solve every problem before most of the leaguers could even get out of their chairs. Mm-hmm. So why would you ever turn down it? First, we're like, eh, you don't know. And he like, what did you think about the bit where Flash steals her Mega Rod and then puts flowers in it? It was very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a player. Yeah. And she was kind of charmed by him. Even, yeah. Even, even her. We then meet German villain stereotype. Vermin the Wunderbar. Hey, Jack Kirby was a Jewish soldier in World War II. Who can blame him for leaning into this? Oh, yeah. Right, you know, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> Wunderbar is brilliantly cast, of course. Andrea Romano, but he is voiced by Artie Johnson, who famously played the sneaky German soldier in skits on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In in the late 60s. His catchphrase was, very interesting. He also played Renfield in Love at First Bite with George Hamilton, uh, where George Hamilton played Dracula. This is his last credited role. He died in 2019. Oh, okay. So he didn't do anything from 2005 till when he passed in 2019. Again, this was a last few years have been bad for this cast. I know. I mean, I know some of them were older, but still. So he's holding Calabac hostage, trying to get him to join him and put Darkseid's family support behind him. He says he's used all of his torture devices, but he has one last resort. Then he produces a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah. <laughs> There's some days that that would work on me. Yeah. <laughs> it almost works on the dim-witted demigod, but he spits at the force field around him. Then Wunderbar zaps him with some kind of brain apparatus. And I like how he discards the cake and the parademons fight over it. Yeah. That's a nice bit, yeah. 
Calabac is voiced once more by Michael Dorn, who of course played everyone's favorite Klingon Worf on Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, four films, and now season three of Star Trek Picard, where he's kicking ass and looking to be having a great time doing it. And very zen he's, while he does it. He's very zen now. It's just very, I really like this like evolved version of Worf. Yes. He's really, really cool. <laughs> And DC recently announced Dorn is writing a Steel comic series called Steelworks. Really? Yes. Dorn voiced both Steel and Calabac on Superman the Animated Series, but strangely never voices Steel here on Justice League Unlimited. Huh. When Steel appears, Phil Lamar does those duties here. Which, I mean, you know, he's on the payroll, obviously, right. all so the time. so that might just be what it is. Yeah, yeah. but you think they could have went ahead and got him the, while Dorn was in there voicing Calabac to record those lines, but I just think it's kind of weird. I love Oberon's line to Granny. I'll blow it out your shorts, you goose-stepping harpy. <laughs> <laughs> but why is Oberon always dressed... That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, why Oberon looks like he's from Apocalypse, but he's not. No, in our new Genesis, he's not from the fourth world. He's from Earth. He's an Earth man. He, yeah. was, with, he was with Thaddeus Brown. I always found that weird. I, I thought when I first met him that he was from... You know, a native of New Genesis or right. Apocalypse, but he's not. So, but I like the rotating knife trap. Those knives are very Jack Kirby. Mm. Everything in this episode is is very Jack Kirby. I mean, there's always a Kirby aesthetic to this series, but it's like everything's like right. designed oh, by yeah. Jack Kirby. So, and it also looks a lot like the movie Thor Ragnarok, which was very Jack Kirby. Uh, our heroes arrive on Apocalypse, and Barda uses her mega rod to make her armor appear finally. I mean, I like cheesecake, but Barda's got such a cool, unique design armor. Why not use that? And we talked about that when she was on Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. That they showed it on the screen, but she never puts it on. No. So it's really She's in strange. that little bikini deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going through the omnibus just looking to see if anything popped out. And I noticed this before, but man, there's a lot of Barda cheesecake in that Mr. Miracle book. <laughs> there really is. I mean, there's just one scene... This one whole page where she's taking a bath. Yeah. It's like, wow. You know, in, in the comic code approved comic in 1972 or something. Well, everybody's got to get clean. I know. But yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, her skirt is usually colored yellow in the comics and it's blue here. I thought that was kind of odd. Hmm. I knew there was something weird. And I'm like, something about her costume looks different. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, it's usually yellow. Flash calls her teleportation device a boob tube. Of course, he's referring to a TV, but with Barter around, you know. Hey, <laughs> Christopher. Well, I mean, he comes right about. That's where about where he comes to on her. So, <laughs> let's face it. At least they explain that Vunderbar's tech disrupts the tubes. Of course, they make Flash feel stupid for bringing up why they didn't just right. beam into the you know and get him. So uh, we get then we get warriors riding on large dogs. I don't. I think these are what's called the hunger dogs. Maybe that's something else. There was a uh, a fourth world graphic novel, which is in that omnibus I need to read, it, called The Hunger Dogs. But I don't know if that's meant to be those dogs or not. But they're basically just giant German shepherds that the warriors are riding on. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're cool looking. I don't like seeing animals get hurt, but you can't blame Barter for zapping one who's about to rip her throat out. True. So, yeah, so electricity is evil, but necessary sometimes. Uh, they make it inside, but the very Kirby design of the place is, according to Scott, all different. So... Asking him to come do this doesn't really, you know, he's he's he can't just walk in and do what he did last time. It's yeah, it's 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 been redesigned. Uh, 
Young Scott is voiced by Zach Shada, who also voiced Aqualad on Batman the Brave and the Bold in a few years. In the flashback, Granny points out Scott is the only child she wasn't able to bend to her will, and Scott says he'll never stop trying to escape. She then takes the electric whip to him, but we cut away and only see his face. I know. But, I mean, ugh. but still, I mean, we're showing tortured kids getting tortured on, you know, yeah. on, on a, again, kids show. Uh, last time we were dealing with addiction, and this time it's PTSD in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, yeah, not it's not as overt as the addiction angle was in, in The Cat and the Canary, but still, it's it's there. Scott tries to go it alone, saying the others didn't sign up for this, but Barda says, I did the day I married you. Yeah, that sounds like something you say. That's why yeah. I had you say it. <laughs> hey, we're in this together. That's right. Flash says he's not that committed, but he's still in. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was cute, yeah. Uh, while Scott and Barda fight robots, Flash finds Calabac and frees him, but he doesn't want to go saying it's humiliating to be rescued by your enemies. I could hear Worf saying that same thing. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> he refers to Scott as his treacherous stepbrother and Barda as his cow. Oh. Whoa, what about that? I'm surprised she didn't nail him right then. Yeah. Well, Flash has to break it up. Well, if it isn't my treacherous stepbrother and his cow. Arrogant worm. How dare you? Knock it off. What are you guys, 12? I can't believe I'm the mature one here. And neither can we. No. <laughs> but I don't blame her. She should have pasted him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, whoa, gosh. Artie Johnson even gets to say, very interesting, but futile, when Barda blasts his, the monitor. He's, right. you know, gloating to him over. Uh, Calabac says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But doesn't that sound a bit, doesn't that sound a bit profound for Calabac? He seems smarter than usual in this episode. He does. He does. Then he adds... At least for the moment. Yeah, he's a bit more cunning, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, Calabac's usually just, like, dense. You yeah. Know, powerful, but dumb as a fence post. Well, Scott flashes back to another escaped attempt, but, of course, Granny tries to stop him. She tells him to give in to hate and hopelessness. Sounds like she wants him to sign up for social media. <laughs> <laughs> Our heroes and Calabac get separated by some large Kirby doors, and Flash holds it long enough for Calabac and Barter to slide under. But why is Scott being so That's slow? That's what I wanted to know. Why did he get caught? I mean, there was plenty of time. Yeah. It seems like for, I mean, I, I would think that, like, obviously, Flash, I mean, Flash isn't running at super speed, so he doesn't get caught up in a trap. Right. But, which I get, but, you know, why is Scott so far behind them? Why mm-hmm. should Calabac be lumbering behind more, you think? But not even Barda can hold the doors because water comes rushing into Scott's chamber and then blasts them backwards and the mm-hmm. door shuts. Uh, he then flashes back to the moment he escaped, defying Granny's statement that hope was a lie. He leaps through a seemingly never-ending series of energy grids. And we don't really see how he completely escapes. Right. We just know that's when he escapes. When it shows Scott pushing against the ceiling as the water comes in, it reminded me of that classic Spider-Man scene where he's under a ton of rubble and water in Amazing Spider-Man number 33. But that's a Steve Ditko thing, not a Jack Kirby thing. Uh, Vunderbar drops Flash, Barter, and Calabac through a trap door, but Scott's arrow discs are floating there waiting for waiting for her. She lands on them and grabs both Flash and Calabac, who laments, Saved by a woman. And then Flash suggests she drop him, and she almost does. Yeah. But he says, I was kidding. <laughs> so the, the little arrow disc things are, you know, they're, they're this little... Very handy. Yeah, they pop out of his, his boots, 
And, you know, they basically let him defy gravity. Like static shocks. Yeah, kind of, yeah. That's what it made me think of. And he's got, he's got the, he had a little rocket boost thing on his back in that one scene. Mm -hmm. He speeds up fighting the bad guys. But, um, yeah, I was always kind of bummed that the superpowers figure didn't come with those. Mm. Now, the DC Universe classic figure does. And that is a really good figure. So, uh, Scott is waiting for them. And when Flash asks how he escaped, trade secret. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. He's like leaning, but he's like leaning up. He's still in between, like in between yeah. the walls, like just, you know, it's he's still way above the ground. Yeah. But he like jumped off his arrow disc, left him there, and just is like basically propped up with his legs hold, yeah. holding him up. I thought that was cool. I like Vunderbar's line as he observes, the whole world is a prison, you dum-dums, and escape is not an option. I, I bet Johnson was having a ball reading those lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just, I mean, I love how he calls them dum-dums. <laughs> I mean... Scenery, chew. Um, nom, nom, nom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scott leads him to the way out, but a series of laser cannons pops out of the wall. Flash says, "Now what?" And Scott says, "Now we make miracles." Which you know, I was like, "Man, he's a showman." Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he does dodging the blasts and kicking his discs at the guns, taking them all out. Uh, not to be outdone, when a gate of flames appears on both sides of Scott, Flash goes into cyclone mode and spins the fire around, busting through the wall at the tunnel's end, which I thought was a cool effect. Yes. Yeah. An army of robots show up, and Calabac is happy to see them. He and Barta tear into them, and Scott tells Flash to stand back and not ruin their fun. Well, no. They and, need a turn. Yeah, that's right. Seeing this, Vunderbar decides to blow up the whole complex. He's pretty happy about it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's villain cackling all the way. He was probably always hoping he'd get to push that big red button. Oh, that shiny red button. <laughs> it's the history racer button, you fool! You won't touch it, will you? <laughs> What'll happen? <laughs> he escapes in what looks like a speeder from Star Wars, and the whole place blows up. Amidst the rubble, we see a broken statue of Darkseid. That guy knows how to stay on brand. Mm-hmm. He, he may even be able to teach Bruce Wayne a thing or two. Oh, there you I, go. You know, I mean, because everything's Darkseid's head, his bust, you know, it's like, you know, he's got that whole, you know, the whole headquarters looks like Darkseid's head, you know, all that stuff. So, Granny is walking among the rubble when the heroes in Calabac emerge from a boom tube. But apparently Flash is how they managed to escape the building, and he tells Granny, trade secret. No, so we don't see how Scott escaped. We don't see how Flash got him out either. No, but, but, you know, that's, that's fine. It's fine. This was story was written by an escape artist mm-hmm. who's not, who's not going to give away his secret. Oh, no, no, no. Barter demands to know where Oberon is, and Granny says he's going to pay for being rude. Then, fake out. The Calabac who was with the heroes was really John Jones. He says, try not to think about where you have Oberon hidden. And he then reads her mind. I, yes, I love that. That is such a great twist. I forget it every time. Yep. I forget that's what happens every time I watch this one. It's such a great twist. <laughs> I don't know why I don't remember it. Maybe I'm just dumb. But I don't Aww. remember. I don't remember. Jean locates him in Darkseid's old palace and he guides Flash, who rescues Oberon right before the blade slice up the table he was on. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> and when he's reunited, I love that line, Scott says... I missed you, old friend. And he replies, I missed me too. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, Barda gives him crap for not being worth all this trouble. Yeah. And he says, all legs and no heart. Because, you know, he's looking up at Barda, who's, you know, huge to anybody, but even to, especially to him. And she says, you just can't hear it from down here. And then she hugs him. Yeah. It's real sweet. I mean, you really get the idea that this, you know, they're. The three of them are a unit. They're a little family unit. Yeah. 
Berta wants to end Granny, but Jean says she can't because the power struggle must continue. And then Scott says a curse on both their houses. Uh, they open the boom tube to leave, but while Granny laments how she failed with Scott, Barter comes back, and I know you had to love this. Oh, yeah. She knocks her butt out. <laughs> yeah. They do show her get back up and go, oh, that shows she's not yeah, dead. I know. Because but a, still. a punch from Big Barter could actually like kill mm-hmm. somebody. So. <laughs> uh, later back on the Watchtower, Flash thinks Jean is going to give him grief for disobeying orders. Tells him how it all worked out. Calabac is custody on Earth. And he'd do it all again, but all Jean was going to ask if he wanted to play Brawling Bots, as yeah. he said. So I, th- I thought that was really And cute. that he wanted to be the green one. Yeah, that's right. He says, I- dibs on the green one. <laughs> I wanted to be the green one. Hey, it's his thing. Yeah. It's his brand. It's, you know, it's not easy being green, but you got to own it, right? Yeah. So what did you think of this one? It was cute. It was, it was a, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's not one of my absolute favorites, but it's, it's a great showcase for these characters. Mm-hmm. It makes me wish somebody somewhere along the way had just done a New Gods fourth world animated series. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, they, they've talked about that over the years, being a movie, being an animated series, being an animated movie, and they've, they've never done anything with just those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of potential. Well, they, I thought they had a series, or am I crazy? No, they never had a series. Oh, that was the Inhumans. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, the Inhumans. That's, I'm sorry. Different Jack Kirby. I'm that, sorry. That, <laughs> I got confused. No, you're right. You're right. And then they did the, the Eternals movie, obviously. Right. Which is kind of weird because, like, the Eternals are basically, Kirby went to Marvel and redid the New Gods there. Right. And, I mean, in some ways, the New Gods is some of the stuff he was doing in Thor. And in Kirby's mind, it was all connected. Like, literally, like, the, the two worlds of New Genesis and Apocalypse were after the Asgardian Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like, in fact, like, there was even... Uh, the one character, uh, what was his name, Lonar, he basically finds Thor's helmet and wears it. Mm. He's got the winged helmet, except they color it gold instead of silver. Gotcha. But then then the Eternals kind of picks up from it when he goes back to Marvel, and then he did that Captain Victory series that he himself owned and self-published to Pacific Comics, and that was kind of like the sequel to that. So there's like four different series that kind of work. And together. Yeah, so, in, so if retroactively you can kind of see the fourth world being you know kind of working because nobody's ever well what did he mean by the fourth world that's people are still kind of debating that today he called it that but it's like what does that mean you know but um so yeah it, it's 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 uh there's a lot of potential here that you know i wish i wish we could have seen a movie since the eternals didn't go over very well um i don't know if we'll ever see a new gods movie you know because DC's got enough problems getting yeah. getting movies off the ground that aren't Batman related, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see maybe one day. So let's get into our superlatives. Power action feature. Uh, for power action feature, do you have anything that jumped out at you? When Barta socked Granny. <laughs> that uh, made me happy. Why Why did I not guess that one? Um, Mine would, I would say this one, there's a lot of impressive moments from all the heroes here, but even though he was kind of a jerk in the beginning, that switcheroo with Jean, like I said, it gets me every time. I forget it, and it's it's just such a great, such a great moment. And we never even see him, like, take Calabac into custody, but it's, you know, Flash says, you know, he says later, it's like, you know, we came back here, got you, made the swap, you know, so it's it's just really great. Rotating chairperson. Uh, so who'd you have for rotating chairperson? I'd say Scott. You think Scott? Yeah. No. I I would give it to Scott or Barda, but technically they're not in the Justice League, which I still think is weird. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Flash. Okay. Because we didn't, 
see him at all. I mean, he was just in cameos last year, just a, a, a number, you know, in, in in some hero shots, multiple hero shots. He, Why wasn't Marco Rosenbaum? I never have learned that. I mean, it is weird how see, there's like no gap between season one and two. I don't know if he was busy on Smallville. I don't know what it was, but it, he just wasn't. And But I, I like the fact that, you know, Flash continues to be the heart of the team. He's the conscience of the team. Uh, we saw that with the Justice Lords. You know, mm-hmm. when he was dead, what happened? Uh, he challenges the logical thing to do and instead insists they do the right thing. Yes. Which which I like about that. Justice League Communicator. So what, did you have a line that stuck out for Justice League Communicator? No. no I mean, there were, you know, there were several really good ones, but, you know, yeah. probably. Oh, it's good to see you, old friend. It's good to see me, too. All the trouble we had to go through because of you. All legs and no heart. You're just too far away to hear it. That's what I said. Yeah, I I, I went with that one. I run her up for that was I'll blow it out your short she goose step and heartbeat. Yeah. I like that one too. <laughs> uh, the the bit with Ralph and Wally was good too. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, there there were several good good lines in this one. Comic connections. For Comic Connections, this is like a sequel to the original Jack Kirby comic series in a lot of ways. It has tons of Easter eggs from those. Like we said, Bruce Timm and company loved Kirby, and it really shows this is a loving tribute to comics' greatest creator. Mm-hmm. So, Electricity is evil. Electricity is evil. Calabac gets zapped by Wunderbar. Scott gets shocked as a kid. Barda zaps the dog. You mm-hmm. name it, electricity is evil, but sometimes, unfortunately, necessary yeah. to save your butt. So, Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Club Podcast, David Capoon, and Rocket Dan Johnson, who specifically support JLUcast. Um, I hate to say it, but uh, you guys are in charge of... Uh, of uh, looking after Calabac. So uh, good luck, um, you know, good luck tolerating him. Uh, you might want to be, bring him a piece of chocolate cake. He seems to like that. Yeah. So <laughs> Next time we jump back into the ongoing Cadmus storyline and we'll have a very special guest. Be sure to return for our discussion on the Doomsday Sanction, which by the name of that might have some big gray guy with bony protrusions who killed Superman once. Maybe so. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. Very interesting, but futile.